Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. You are listening to episode 196 of Sexology podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome. This is part of our dating series. If you haven't already checked out our sex quiz, this is a quiz I created a few months ago specifically for women to help them pinpoint problems areas in their sex life. It's a relatively brief quiz. I think it takes around five to seven minutes and you get the results immediately. So if you're curious about where are some of the areas that you can improve on, definitely take this quiz. The link will be on the show note. So as I shared with you guys, we're going to talk about sex and dating. We're going to talk about some of the safe alternative sexual practices that you can engage in during this time. We're going to talk about how we think the dating and sex would look like after COVID. And we're also going to talk about how how we invite you guys to address the issue of loneliness because I know that this is a struggle that many of you guys have that right now that you're not able to lean into the kind of the relationship that you had in the past that was kind of created this sense of connectedness and now I know in some areas of world at least here in California we're month six of quarantine and our life changed so we're going to talk all about what can you do today to address some of those feelings? Our guest today is Cindy Darnell. She's a New York-based, internationally renowned sex and relationship therapist and clinical sexologist. Her academic work is published in the Journal of Sex Education and Sexual and Relationship therapy. She has an online course. She has her own podcast. She has tons of different and wonderful free resources that she has available to to us. Uh, So definitely make sure you are checking out her website so you can learn about her, her offerings. And also you can find her full bio in the show notes. Here's my conversation with Cindy Darnell. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am very excited to have Cindy Darnell, sex therapist and a relationship therapist on our show today. Cindy, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I am very excited about this conversation. We're doing a series on online dating and dating in general. Mm. And as you and many of our listeners, they know that this is a tough time to date. Mm-hmm. And I have clients that they, they felt they were doing well with dating and then the COVID happened and mm-hmm. the uh, quarantine happened and it's it's tougher kind of a water and different waters to navigate. So I think yeah. it will be beneficial for many of our listeners to kind of mm-hmm. hear your thoughts about this. So I guess first thing that comes to many of our minds is that should we be dating during pandemic? Well, I mean, of course, like, and, and dating can be many things. Things to many people. So traditional dating, I think te- people tend to think of going out to do an activity somewhere. And depending on where one is in the world, 
there are going to be places where that's going to be much more accessible than other places where it's completely not appropriate. So where I'm currently in New York, you know, people can kind of do that. I, you know, in California, I think they can't, where I'm from originally, Melbourne, Australia, uh, they definitely can't. They're in very, very heavy lockdown there. So it really depends where people are and, and what they're doing. So that's for traditional dating. But during the height of the pandemic, as it was in New York City, at least, I know a lot of people were, were sort of getting to know each other in this format, at least at the beginning. For people who perhaps have more established dating relationships where they had started prior to the pandemic, of course, you know, those relationships will continue to exist in different forms and in different formats. So it's not so much a question of, you know, should we be dating, but more a question of how do we date in such ways and how do we adapt to what is being asked of us from a, from a, through a public health lens, really? Well, I'm glad that you kind of brought up kind of the location that people are, because mm. unfortunately, depending on where we're located, the numbers are different, the recommendations are different. Right. And also where people are in the stages of their dating with a partner makes a mm. huge difference. So maybe mm -hmm. if people are interested in doing sexting and uh, video chats and kind of those kind of sexual experiences, sometimes people are more comfortable if they met before, they, they have some kind of relationship with the person right. it can be challenging if you are getting to know the person first time right Zoom yeah or video yeah i mean and i think you know that's really the optimal word here is challenging it's a challenge it's everything is a challenge like getting groceries is a challenge school is a challenge work is a challenge relationship established relationships are challenging right now travel like everything is affected and and so while you know it, we can say, well, you know, dating is hard. I mean, yeah, it is hard, but everything's hard right now. So it's just, it's just sort of part of it. We're being called upon, you know, as individuals and as communities to adapt. That's, that's just how it has to be at the moment. Well, I'm glad that you're highlighting that it's not, this is a single area that we're struggling. And mm. you're right. Our life drastically changed. Right. You know, with change always comes the opportunity for kind of like discovering new part of ourselves and kind of changing mm. the routine. Mm. Mm -hmm. So and I, I know subcategory of my clients, they're loving it because they feel like they're connecting in a different format and they're able mm -hmm. to show up with less anxiety. They feel more comfortable. So it's an easier way to get to know the person if they are doing it with a stranger over the video. But I think it depends on your personality, the context and what right. you're looking for. Right. And I think, I mean, for people who had been looking perhaps more for, you know, random hookups where there's not much getting to know you and it's more physical rather than intellectual and emotional, those kinds of connections are probably going to be harder and probably a lot less, you know, less safe, let's say. I mean, unless, you know, you're having regular COVID tests, unrest, unless you're being very, very truthful about your whereabouts and where you've been, which, I mean, we have really no way of, of assessing that. Obviously, the COVID tests are as effective as they can be given the current technology. But, you know, honor and integrity, it, it's not always that easy to come by. So taking people at their word about where they've been and how they've been isolating is, is can be difficult. So one has to use one's own judgment and, and introspective kind of assessment of whether or not it's appropriate to be having such a loose lifestyle as you may have enjoyed previously. 
Well, I love that you highlighted the category of people that are interested in casual sex and hookup、mm. sex, and right now can be more challenging to navigate that.、Mm. So you said it's based on kind of like integrity and your judgment. So what are some of the recommendations you have for people to kind of like to sharpen those skills or kind of think about how can they navigate it safe, safe, relatively safe?、Mm. How do you navigate hookups safely? They like if I, if I used to do hookups in the past,、um, yeah. But right now, then there's this added pressure of COVID, so I want to have yeah, like a hookup. Yeah.、Thing. Um. I, I mean, I don't know that you can have hookups right now. I mean, maybe you can't. You know, I I don't know. It really depends on on the jurisdiction of where you are and what's expected of you. I, I mean, in a perfect world, you would be totally upfront about who you've been with and what you've been doing. But not everybody is going to be that way. Like people, you know, people don't tell the truth. So to assume that if someone says, "Yeah, yeah, I've been isolating her home alone," you know, for months. I mean, maybe they have been, maybe they haven't. We don't really have a way to measure that. So you know, I mean, I'm certainly not against hookups, but we just need to be mindful of how you know is is now really the appropriate time to be having hookups. You know, there's it's not this is not from a moral position. It's it's an ethics and and public health question. Is this the time? You know, I mean, people because we still don't even know how this disease is spread. I mean, they think they think it's airborne. They think it's droplets. It may be. We don't know. And until we know this for sure, and until we have a vaccine, I mean, this is sort of like the the pre. You know the AIDS crisis before they knew what was what, and they knew about prevention, and certainly the medication we have now for for HIV prevention, PrEP in particular, is fantastic. So until we have something like that for coronavirus, we just have to be mindful. Like it's not this is not about you know don't go and have sex ever. Of course, do what you want, but just be mindful. Just think about what you're doing. Well, I'm I'm glad that you were talking like highlighting the part that we don't know how how it's get. Spread it because sometimes people tell me it's like talking about SDI testing,、mm -hmm. and、uh, they say like you know if the person is tested, then I feel comfortable. But I feel like it's there is a slight difference here that like unless they've been tested, I don't know immediately like recently. Right. I mean the, the test is yeah for that that moment. You go out and you know you take a subway or you do whatever, you, and then you don't know what's going on. So I mean, tests are important, absolutely, but it, it's just really difficult. You know, it's just really difficult. Well, and I think that maybe perhaps this is a time for people to explore other ways of being sexual because I know、mm, it's been several months for many people that they've been in lockdown, and I think、mm. if you're single, especially, or you're you know you're not surrounded with people, that can be a very challenging time. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that not to have sex, like, but maybe you can explore part different parts of being sexual that doesn't necessarily put you at high risk. What are some of the ways that you're Recommend people to explore their sexuality right now. That can be safer.、Mm. Well, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is masturbation. That's always that's always the ultimate safe sex, isn't it? You know, and so as long as you have space where you can do that in a way that either you feel safe and private enough, or that if you're doing it in front of roommates and and family members and whatever that. You know, everyone's consenting. This is this is particularly important in such things. You know, I'm thinking about the sound of vibrators. If you're if you're living with your parents and you don't and you 
your mum doesn't want to hear the sound of your vibrator. How might you manage that? That kind of thing. So, you know, there's that. And otherwise, I mean, if you have lovers, people who you would normally see, even if they don't live in your city or in your neighbourhood, and they would be people who you would travel to see once a month or they would travel to see you back in the olden days when we could do such things. I mean, maybe now that would be a perfect time now to explore, you know, video connections through any of the bazillion video apps that are available and you know and sending messages to each other and these kinds of things are again you know they're not perfect but they really activate a part of our erotic imagination that is perhaps often not utilized in in in-person connections and i would encourage people to not necessarily see it as a better or worse option you everyone has their preference and that's okay but rather that we have we have to do this whether we like it or not and so it forces us to use you know to tap into creativity to tap into imagination to discover what's erotically possible through these technological mediums and it's people can have all kinds of experiences they might discover that they they really enjoy making little videos for their lovers they might discover that they have you know a latent exhibitionist within them that they didn't even know was there so the 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 possibilities that this situation brings us even though none of us would have wished it upon ourselves we're in it and looking at it as an opportunity to reframe and understand sexuality differently i think can be a real benefit in this situation absolutely and i know there are even anonymous sex sex parties and kind of like the groups and chats that to keep people Mm -hmm. part of it and Mm -hmm. one of the things that i often see with my clients is the challenge of like they're not as you said they're not exercising their imagination they mm-hmm. they're actually the they were feeling like they're not as sexual because they just didn't want to have that routine sexual experiences that they had so right. this can be opportunity for people to explore as you said like different kind of aspects of their sexuality and mm-hmm. kind of find uh, discover things about themselves that perhaps before they didn't know about but what about the people that are looking for a longer term relationship is there a way that they can still continue pursuing that kind of like meeting new people if they are okay with waiting to be sexual for a while Mm. i mean of course like that's you know it's almost in that sense we've almost been able to revert to old-fashioned dating in that you know people who are choosing to be celibate for now can instead spend more time investing in actually getting to know someone if that is the kind of relationship that they're looking for, if they're looking for something that is a little less physical but more intimate emotionally and, and intellectually. I think this is actually the perfect time for that, to, to for some people to go back to what we would perhaps call traditional relationship values of courtship and getting to know people it's not everybody's cup of tea i realize that but for those for whom that's appealing that can still be happening 
you know, mm-hmm. it's interesting that I think I might date myself when I say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I remember when we were using phone calls and like you know, when, when we were calling without having the photos and image and that that helped many of us to get to know the partner in a more intimate way. Absolutely. Becoming Absolutely. kind of more intimate. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's a bit more old fashioned doing it that way, which I mean, there's no, when I say old fashioned, I don't mean that as an insult. It's just, it's just, a, it's, a, it's how things used to be for a whole generation of people perhaps who have never tried that it'll be an interesting and challenging thing to try and also i think it's it's interesting that people discover things at least what i'm hearing from my clients about themselves that they didn't know about the thing that was hindering their judgment in the past because they when they were meeting with people and they were finding themselves kind of moving to kind of sexual realm that at times impacted their assessment but now that they're slowing down and kind of like don't exploring that aspect of the relationship that helps them to kind of see some of the patterns that they had in the past that wasn't working for them. I agree with you that for for many people, this is challenging, this is mm. uncomfortable, and mm-hmm. it's not like we we choose to be in this part. But also it's important to think about, hopefully this is temporary. So this is an invitation yes. to change, <laughs> change uh, kind of things in your life and adapt, as you mentioned. But it yeah. doesn't mean like things hopefully going to be this way forever. You know, one thing that I hear from colleagues and some of my clients also, they're worried that like, what if our dating life changed forever? What do you think about that? So I'm not sure that it's going to be a situation of dating changing forever. I mean, forever is a long time, isn't it? So is it going to change for potentially the next year to two years? Probably. That, that I mean, that looks inevitable. Is it going to go back to how it was? Perhaps. I wonder, I mean, I think what's happened as a result of this in many areas, and not just in dating, I know we're talking about dating, but across the board, people have realized how how heavily we had depended upon in-person connections for everything, for work, for, for you know, conferences and all kinds of things. And because all of that has fallen away for so many people all over the world, this is an international global situation. And we're finding new ways to adapt. I th- I really think that dating is going to be the same thing. That said, many people would argue that the whole point of dating is is about connection and, and about intimacy, which is true. I mean, I can't argue with that, and nor would I want to. But it just is for now. I I, I just think that this is going to be how it is for now. Once we find a you know a cure, perhaps, or at least a vaccine for this. Things will then go back to something that resembles normal, perhaps, but it might be a new normal in the same way that when HIV hit, everybody was like, you know, what is this? How is this going to happen? And it's been, you know, nearly 40 years and, um, and it still exists. I mean, HIV is still around, but it's, it's very, very well managed compared to how it was. And that's through a combination of education, destigmatization, excellent medication, and and people talking about it in such a way that privileges pleasure and not shame and fear. What a beautiful comparison. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that many people, as you said, like during 80s, during era of AIDS era, that like it was very scary and mm-hmm. many people were even scared to be intimate with, with, with their partner. But mm-hmm. now you're right that this is something that's long in the past in a, in a way that like 
uh, the fear, at least for many, many communities. So for many people, as, as you mentioned, that dating is about connection. Mm-hmm. And this is a time of isolation for many individuals right now. And they, they, many of my clients, at least, it's hard for them even to see their relatives, like their parents, they want to be protective of them. Mm-hmm. So what can we, how can we manage this sense of loneliness? What are some of the recommendations you have for people to work through it without it becoming this overwhelming, painful kind of aspect of their life? Mm. I mean, I think a lot of the people who are feeling lonely now during the pandemic, a lot of them probably had a history of feeling lonely before. So the fact that we're not necessarily physically close to each other, you know, if if you're still sheltering with family and partners and, and friends and that kind of thing. So that all part that part is all still happening. People who've been living alone, who perhaps are lacking the social contact that they used to have, are still able again to access that through video platforms. And it's not the same. And it's not the same as being able to go to events and go to bars and restaurants and that kind of thing. So, you know, but having to prioritize making connections that come in different formats. And, you know, I mean, I've been, we've all, I've been doing this for about six months now and, and it's very easy to get zoomed out and you don't want to attend another zoom party. And, and that's okay to be able to recognize that you don't have to attend every single Zoom event because eventually, you know, you can, it's very easy to get Zoomed out and it's okay to be able to say no to an event and, and still feel like you're connected. You have to prioritize how much time you can spend in this space. And then, you know, learn to use the other time that you have to 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 lean into the discomfort of, of what is potentially, you know, loneliness for some people. It's and it may not necessarily be loneliness, but just aloneness. There's there's a difference. You know, loneliness is, is the condition of the heart. Aloneness is a physical condition. So we might be physically alone as a result of this COVID situation, but not necessarily lonely. Lonely is something that you manage at an emotional level. And if you're lonely because of this, chances are you were lonely before anyway, because it's it's an emotional thing. So working on your loneliness, then I would encourage people to reach out to a a therapist or to a counselor or a coach or somebody who can help them work through, you know, ongoing feelings of loneliness that are emotionally rooted. They're generally not going to be solely because you're not physically around people anymore. Well, Cindy, what a beautiful way of highlighting that, that if we are feeling lonely, perhaps the loneliness was there, but we were distracted with other stuff. Mm. And what I find interesting that this time was a time of kind of like exploration for myself because I feel like during before pandemic our schedules were very packed from one event to another event and doing number of different things but it doesn't mean like those commitments those uh, engagement were cultivating deep friendships what I found exactly yeah during Mm. the COVID time I really learned to recognize what relationship was fulfilling for me right what what would worth my time to do a Zoom with and mm-hmm. I live in different parts of the world mm-hmm. and I, mm-hmm. I, it gave me this opportunity to reconnect with someone with some of my friends that they I haven't been in touch for years. Right. And now when I think about what's really important and who 
who are the people that are my tribe um, mm. helped me to kind of recognize that. And, yeah. and I love that you were talking about this as a call for assessment. That yeah, I mean, it's, that. yeah, I was going to say, it's, a, it's an opportunity to really reflect because if, you know, I mean, a lot of people are feeling anxiety as a result of all of this, which, you know, is normal. I'm not going to say that, you know, if you're feeling anxious in response to this, it's because you have a disorder. Like it's, it's very reasonable that you would be anxious right now. If you're, if you're prone to anxiety, but if you're feeling, I mean, some people, it's interesting actually, because some people who have historically lived with social anxiety had, especially the beginning of the, of the pandemic had spoken a lot about the fact that everybody was slowing down. It helped them under, helped them feel validated and understood. Like they were sort of seen for the first time because instead of this constant push, particularly in the US, that everyone's rushing and, you know, achieve and get this goal and it's very driven kind of culture and society here. That for that to sort of stop overnight meant that a lot of people who live with social anxiety could just all go, ah, like a collective breath that everyone's just slowed down, you know. And this has created a very different dynamic for people who found it very difficult to be going out to events and hustling and chasing and pushing and this sort of thing all the time. Now with this opportunity to stop and reflect that they noticed they felt more peaceful. On the other hand, there are people for whom chasing and, and rushing and achieving and, you know, meeting goals and that kind of thing is their way of finding meaning in the world. So when that is taken away from them, then they're left with this discomfort and anxiety and a sense of sort of meaninglessness, which in the event that someone listening says, oh, yeah, wow, that's me, that again would be an opportunity to reach out to a therapist or a counsellor and really sort of look into unpacking, well, what might this tell me about myself that I only feel like I'm participating in the world when I'm, you know, achieving and goal-driven? Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's a great skill and it's a great way to be. But if not having that causes you extraordinary distress, that may be something to look at through a deeper lens. I love that. And I think this is at, at even on a personal level, this was a time for, for, for me to assess what mm. am I doing in different uh, realm of my relationship? Even in my marriage to be super busy with this and that, like seeing my husband one hour at night and on weekends, but mm. it also just slowing down gave me opportunity to see, okay, what am I doing in my marriage and my relationship and what right. do I want more of? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cynthia, I bet many of our listeners are now curious to learn more about you and your practice, and you're doing a fabulous job in social media. So tell <laughs> us, if people are curious, where can they find you? So I would encourage people to head to my website, which is cindydarnell.com, C-Y-N-D-I-D-A-R-N-E-L-L.com. From there, there are links to all of my social media presences and also ways to book me if you would like to work with me in one-on-one -on -one consultations. But I also have quite a comprehensive library of online courses that are pre-recorded, which people can register for online. They don't need to email me to ask about that. It's all the information is there. I also have a free program there currently that I created in response to the uprising of the, of the coronavirus called the Pleasure Program. And it's uh, a free 21-day course 
that covers everything related to pleasure from, you know, managing feelings of discomfort in response to the virus situation, but also how to cultivate connection and eroticism. There's a lot of really helpful sex education and sex tips in there. Also, it's for all genders, all orientations, all relationship styles. It's really, really focused on helping people bring pleasure into their lives. Well, thank you so much for sharing those resources with us. And no, you're um, very welcome. if our listeners didn't get a chance to write down the information, it will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a wonderful conversation and thank you for sharing your expertise with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I hope our conversation gave you some good information about what you can do to increase your chances of meeting someone online. I feel like these days, almost everyone is online, especially during time of COVID. And if you find yourself not being able to find the type of people that you're interested in online, maybe it's a time to change your profile. Maybe you need some feedback from friends or a professional like Erica. At the end, I wanted to remind you guys that every Friday I'm cooking the aphrodisiac recipe on my Instagram account. The handle is at sexology podcast and we're sending the list of ingredients on Thursday night to our people on our email list. So if you're in interested to get the ingredient, make sure you're signing up for our email list. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.